This is so good right here. All these people in here. So fun. Can we give a little like something like that? The, the best part is watching you guys actually have to fight for a seat now, which is which is I saw over here like a, a parent throw their child three rows over to reserve a seat. It was really um, you guys have gotten soft. Most of you show up 20 minutes late and you get a whole row to yourself. Not anymore. Those days are over. Um, my name is Caleb Lynch. I'm part of the preaching team here at Open Door. As always, super honored to be with you, super um, blessed by this opportunity. So um, we're, we're going to just dive right into it today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans 15, um, verses, uh, we're going to start in 5. On your portico, I believe it says 7, but I'm going to steal a little bit from what, what Bob did last week. By the way, I heard, I heard Bob just knocked it out of the park. Was it just great? It's good because he charges us a lot of money to let him get up there. So he better, you know what I mean? Okay, let's jump right into it. I'm going to start in five. So you can put it up on the board. Yep. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord... You may be with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant for the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers, and for the Gentiles to to glorify God for his mercy. It is written this way, Therefore, I will give praise to God among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people praise him. Again, Isaiah says, there shall come the root of Jesse, and he, will, he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Verse 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace and believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. God, my, may, my, um, may my words this morning, may, may they honor you. Amen. We, we've, we've been on a theme for the last four weeks. I taught, then Norm taught twice. Um, Norm was awesome. Was Norm great? I love that. And then, and then Bob taught, and we all taught on a similar uh, thought. And it started in 14.1. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Um, 14.1 says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. And now, in verse 7, Paul is going to kind of start closing this topic. So we're kind of coming to an end with this topic. He'll reference it again a couple of times, but we're kind of finishing here. So th- th- with, with this statement, so he starts really specific in 14, and as he works his way through 14 and into 15, he gives specific ways as we are to accept one another, love each other, not judge each other. Um, and finally, he just comes to the final conclusion. He says, just accept one another. There's, there's not specifics anymore. It's just like, hey, just as Christ has accepted all of you, just accept each other. And, and he closes with that thought. So now he's going to kind of invite us into a new conversation, a new thought, and that's where we'll pick up in eight. Um, 
whenever I, whenever I prepare for a message, whenever I prepare to teach, one of the things I do is I'll, I'll read the verse over and over and over and over again before I even start thinking about what is it saying, what, what am I hearing, what am I going to teach on. I just read it over and over and over again. And then I pause and then I ask myself the question, what, what stood out to me? What did I observe? What did I see? What, what caught my attention? And this time, there, there was a word that I, I just couldn't get away from. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I couldn't stop wanting to go back to it and then studying just that word and finding it in other places in Scripture. And so I, I want us to read just verses 5 through 7. Uh, actually, 5 through 9. And I, and I have them up on the board, and there's a word in here that I've underlined that just kept catching me. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one, with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written. And I got stuck on this word of glorifying and giving glory to God. And I thought, it's interesting, he's, Paul is telling us Essentially, with that phrase, accept one another, invite each other in, love one another just as Christ for the glory of God. So that action of me accepting you regardless of preference or whatever is actually for the sole purpose to give glory to God. And then he goes on and he talks about how the Jews received the promises of God through prophecy, through, through God himself, and the fulfillment of those prophecies, the fact that Jesus showed up and came under the law and became a Jew and fulfilled the prophecies completely, that was all done so that the Jews would know that Jesus was the Messiah and that they would give glory to God. And for the Gentiles, he showed mercy and love and he brought them in. They were the outsiders. They were the non-chosen ones. And he brought them in through his love for the purposes so that God would be glorified. And so I started reading scripture. And I started saying, holy cow. If my behavior and my actions are meant to glorify God, if the coming of Jesus and, and bringing those into him and fulfilling promises, if that was for the purposes of glorifying God, I want to know more. And so I opened scripture. And one of the first verses that I found was this. This is in John 17. It's one of the last prayers that Jesus ever prays before he, he, he dies on a cross. And he's with his disciples. This is verse 17, verse 1, or chapter 17, verse 1. Father, this is Jesus talking. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, 
that your son may glorify you. All right, God, the time has come now. Everything has been done that was needed to be done. Now, my final work would be, God, I want to glorify you. Father, I want to, the glory to go to you. And I kept reading through Scripture. And it didn't take me long to go back all the way to the very first book of the Bible. And I'm in Genesis. And I'm in the first chapter of Genesis. And I get to the 26th verse and it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. You see, when we make an image, when we make a statue, when we have a portrait of someone, in a sense, what we're trying to do is we're trying to remember the original, to show the original. And Christ says, right at the beginning, when I'm making man, let's make him in the image of ourselves, right? Just in our existence, just in the creation of humankind, mankind, the purpose of that was to give glory back to God. That we would get to be a mirror to who He is. And I read through Scripture, and, and you guys, I got to tell you, I got undone, like unraveled, because I could not turn a single page in the Bible without hearing the words, Magnify the Lord, glorify the Lord, praise the Lord, praise God Almighty, glorify His name. I couldn't find a page that that wasn't in there. Like, I'm sure they're in there. Like, I didn't read the whole Bible yesterday, but, but, like, you guys, I was, it was, I was out of control. I, I said these words out loud to myself. Where has this been all the, this whole time? I said those words. It seems as though this whole book, it seems as though the purposes of God are fully to bring glory to his name. Like, like all of it. And so here's where it messed me up. I got to be honest with you. And... I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not proud to say this, but I've got to be honest with you. I felt when I read these things, when I came through this, and I kept going through, and I kept reading, and I'm all over the place. I'm all over Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. And I'm reading this, I went, that doesn't feel as much like love to me. That feels like I'm being used. Like it feels like I'm some kind of puppet. Honestly, I, I asked the question, well, then what's, it, what, what's in it for me? Like, like, I'm not at proud to say these things, but I'm saying them. Because I know if I'm saying them, if I'm feeling them, there's others in the room that might be feeling them too. God, seriously, everything is just a point to how great you are? Is that, is that it? Maybe it is. You see, I want, I want to pause real quick. This word glory, uh, this word glorify, it's, it's a hard word to define. It's, it's not an easy word. It's like the word beautiful. It's hard to boil down that word. Well, beauty is the essence of the... It, it's just hard. It's like, no, that's beautiful. Like, right? There's no definition. It's just beautiful. Glory kind of carries with it the same idea. 
It literally is all of the attributes of God that make him pure and good all into one thing, glory. Now, I want to make a distinction here. God did not create us so that when we glorified him, it would bring about more glory in him. He didn't create knowing he had a deficit, right? He didn't need us to make him more glorified, if that's even a word. So then what's the point? So then what's the point, right? Because if he doesn't need me to, to increase his glory, then why is all of creation, why is me, why is all of us, why is every action that takes place, every event in history, everything that happens in the universe, everything that happens in all time, why is it meant then to give him glory? What, what's, what's the purpose in all of this? I, uh, I think it's John Piper. If you're listening, John, will you tell us if, you, if this was your quote? He doesn't, he doesn't listen to us. Um, I think he, he, he made this distinction um, of what it means for us to glorify God. And he made this distinction, and I love it, uh, the difference between what we, what we do um, with a telescope and a microscope. With a microscope, what we're doing is we're taking something that is extremely small that we couldn't see otherwise, and we're putting it under a microscope so that we can now see it. A telescope, we're taking something that is extremely huge, like massive, like can't comprehend huge, and we're, we're refining it down to say, oh, that's what it is. Oh, now I can see it clearly. When I glorify God, when I give Him praise, when I literally magnify the name of the Lord, what I am doing is I am saying, here is a piece of God that I believe He showed up and he is worthy of praise. This is an instant. This is a piece of the glory of God. And the beauty is when the church does that as a a body, we get to see the full picture of the glory of God. Because we all have our telescopes where we're saying, that is true of him. His faithfulness showed up in my life at that point. And we get to declare that as we glorify him. And when you pull out your pieces and I pull out my pieces and we all have our own telescopes, what we are doing is we're painting a picture of the glory of God. Does that make sense? I I think it's a beautiful picture. So so what is in it? Is it what is in it for you? You're still asking the question. I'm still asking the question because it's just how I'm wired. It's how we're all wired. And maybe it's okay for us to say this statement. Maybe it's actually a right statement to say that probably the darkest road you can head down is for all of this gig to be about you. Right? For Caleb Lynch... The darkest alley I can run in is the alley where I think this whole world is about me. And yet, if you could get into my head, you would know that 97.8% of the time, I think about me. Maybe (laughs) 98.4. 
So maybe God knew. Maybe he knew that one of the healthiest, craziest, goodest gifts that he could give us would be to be bigger than us. No, that sounds hard to think about. But what if one of the greatest gifts we could receive is knowing that there is someone out there that can actually deal with me? Because I lay my head on the pillow at night and I am constantly convinced that I can't deal with me. That I don't know how to handle me. Just this week, two times just this week, uh, Tuesday, we were up in Munns Park, Flagstaff. Kaylee and I were celebrating 10 years. Come on. Um, Tuesday, I believe it was Tuesday night, she and I got in a huge fight. Thursday was our anniversary. Tuesday, like, big, big fight. And I got into bed that night, and the fight's still going, and I, I can't sleep. I'm just depressed. I'm frustrated. I'm ticked off. It's the same fight we've had 39,000 times. And I, I, I said this to myself. I said, <laughs> we want we to... Let me tell you. Here, let me get... I want to I get another 10 years in, so I'm going to... But I said these words to myself. I literally said, what is wrong with you, Caleb? Like, like, what the heck is wrong with you? Why do you do that to your wife? Why can't you figure it out? Why can't you fix it? What the heck, man? It's been 10 years. And you dated the girl for 10 years prior to that. That's 20 years. Figure it out. Friday, we drive home from Munns Park. And uh, I pull over on the side of the the road to go around to the side of the car to yell at my daughter. And I literally shook her. I was so mad at her. And that night I laid in bed and I started crying. What the heck is wrong with you, man? What the heck is wrong with you? Why would you? That's your daughter. That was this week. And I was aware of how I don't have the chops to make me work. And so maybe God knew that we needed someone that we knew was big enough that we could say, okay, I know I don't got it together. I, I, do, I do know you're out there and I do, do know you're good and you're worthy and so all glory to you. Okay, but here's what's cool. There is something in it for you like something pretty stinking cool in it for you. Watch where Paul takes us. Watch where Paul takes us. I'm going to start in 9. And for the Gentiles to glorify God for His mercy, it is written this, Therefore I will give you praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to you your new name. Again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. Praise the Lord, you Gentiles, and let all the people praise Him. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Do you see what's happening here? This is crazy. These are prophecies. These are things written back a long time ago. And what what Paul is saying here to the Gentiles is, listen, you were a part of the story the whole time. Like you were a part of the gig the whole time. And you didn't even know it. And it says, 
He who arises, he's talking about Jesus, to rule over the Gentiles, in him, in Jesus, they will have hope. And then he continues. Now may the God of hope, it's the only time in Scripture the phrase God of hope is put in there, may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's in it for you? Here's what's in it. If there is a God that is worthy to be glorified, if there is a God that is worthy of your praise, if there is a God that is worthy to be magnified, He's also worthy of your hope. He's also worthy of you to put your full weight on the hope and the reality that He has you in mind and that you are a part of His story. Like, that's a big deal. Like like a really big deal that in the very act of worshiping God that you would find yourself undone, abounding in hope. That's a gift, ladies and gentlemen. Like a big time gift. Don't you love, this is the only place in Scripture that he calls himself the God, or Paul calls him the God of hope. I think that's an awesome line. Interesting thing about God. Let let me pause real quick. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. There are some of you sitting in this room today. I've been in seasons like this, so I know that it's happening amongst us. There are some of you sitting in this room right now that say, Caleb, this sounds really super. But if you knew my world, if you knew what I was going through, you would know that I have about zero desire to glorify the Lord right now. Like, like a zero would be more than what I have. And talk about hope, I, I don't even know what that means. Like I, that, that word's not even in my vocabulary right now. So what about me, Caleb? Because that's, that's where I'm at, like for the last year and a half, and, da, 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 and I've been there, and I know where you're sitting, where you're going, man, I am as dry as I can be. I want to give up. I don't care. Like glorifying the Lord, like really? Like you want me to glorify the Lord in my situation right now? Do you know I've been out of work for two years? Like, like really? And so I don't want to minimize that thought because it's real and I know it's in this room right now. But I do love what Paul says. Uh, I'm sorry, David, what David says. And he says this in Psalm 24. And I'm going to start in 7. I think this might help a bit. He says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? This Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. And lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. So you ask me how, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of a God that doesn't seem that He cares about me currently right now, you're you're asking me, how would I glorify God? And, And I think what David is saying is, lift up your head. says in scripture like like a bunch of times that the glory of the lord shines 
all around you. Like not just in pockets, not just at Niagara Falls or, or, or at the Grand Canyon, but the glory of the Lord shines all around you. Like you literally don't have to go past your nose to see the glory of God. We could go around this room right now and I could ask every single one of you, where would you be if it wasn't for Jesus? And those of you that have put your trust in Jesus would tell us stories that would undo us. Like flat on our faces type stories. And you know what we would do? We would worship like crazy people to know that there is a God with purpose, that there is a God who loves, who cares, that has a plan, that he is working in every single one of our lives at all times. And so I do not minimize the pain, but I do ask you to lift your head up because the glory of the Lord is all around you. It's interesting, God, God of hope, I, this, I love this about God. He does this as, I, I think it's a protection for us. I think it's a blessing and a gift. He does this. He gives us like universal hope, okay? And he also gives us practical hopes. Let me explain what I mean. Universal hope, like eternal life, these kind of things. But, but if you look at our, our scripture, he also gives us little specific individual hopes. For the Gentiles, he gave him mercy. For the Jews, he gave them fulfillment of promises. He has in mind hopes for you that will bless you, that will change you, that will move you, that will cause you to see life differently, and they are waiting for you, and oftentimes all it takes is this motion, lifting your heads. We're going to play a song real quick. It's a video, and it's Carrie Job, and it's called Garden, and They had bought a house, and she was going through a hard season. And um, well after living in the house for a long time, she went into her backyard one day and didn't notice that there was a garden, a lush garden that had been growing. And for her, it ministered to her heart in a way that she knew, God, you go before me, you think about me, you care about me, you bring life, um, even when my bones are dried out. And so we're going to listen to it, and then I've got a quick little thing to read you, and we'll get to go home. Did you guys stand up and just put, put your hands out like this? I just, want, I just want to read something for us and send us on our way. Who is this King of glory? Just lift up your head. This King of glory, He's strong, He's mighty, He's faithful. This King of glory, He's relentless. He's the pursuer of hearts. He's the healer of the broken. He's the beacon for the lost. He's the blanket for the orphan. Who is this King of glory? He's the power to the powerless. He's the truth that casts out fear. He's the truth that tears down lies. He's the truth that gives away home. Lift up your eyes. Where else does your hope come from? This King of glory is the Lord of hope, and His hope does not disappoint. You can believe that it's enough. May you find yourself declaring His name above all names. May you find yourself reaching for the light. May you find yourself on your knees proclaiming the goodness of your King. May you find yourself displaying His glory in such a way that others long for it. He is the only one worthy of your praise. Ah, and this here. To Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all you could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory. Who is this King of glory? He is the water to the thirsty. He is the light to the blind. 
He is the lifeline to the desperate. Oh, and this too. May you know what is the hope of his calling for you. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance to you, the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards you who have chosen to believe in him? Open door. Lift up your heads. You don't have to look far to see his glory, for you are one of his finest works. His glory shines all around you and his hope is right on time. You are right on time. He knows your needs. He knows your longings. He knows your deepest cries. He feels your deepest pains. His glory shows his power and his goodness. His promises are true. He is the light in the dark. In fact, in in him there is absolutely no dark. May you, as the Gentiles did, find yourself undone by his mercy. He lets you into the club. And may you worship his name above all names. May you be free to declare his surpassing greatness. May you declare the freedom that you have found in his name. May the world know that you have been washed clean by his words. It is finished. May you know and experience the hope of your salvation. Like the hope of your salvation. Who is this king of glory? Who is this God of hope? Open your ears. May his whispers remind you that he will never leave you. May you be convinced that his closeness is always near. May you know that he is Emmanuel, God with you. May you sing a new song. Let us sing that new song. There is no one but you, God. God, we glorify your name. You alone are God. There is only one true God. Who is this King of glory? Who is this God of hope? May you experience that his loving kindness is better than life. Let your soul glorify the Lord and let the humble hear it and rejoice in hope. Open door. May you leave here today sealed with the promise and the knowledge of the glory and splendor of God. And may you find yourself praising, magnifying, glorifying his name. And in doing so, may you be filled with hope. A hope that gives you peace and joy everlasting. May you walk with your heads up and be aware of the good and faithful pursuit of your heart. May you declare of his goodness all the days of your life. You were created for this. Now, may the King of glory and the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may go.